You're listening to Jai Long, and this is Make Your Break, episode 123. Today, I'm actually talking to Morgan, Morgan Vandermark. He has worked for me or with me since maybe, I don't know, maybe 2015, I think. So probably five years, six years or something. Could be wrong on that. But um, he's been around for a long time. So he's actually helped me when I first started my business, Free the Bird Weddings. And he's actually shot weddings with me, um, doing videography. He helped me start Heartbreak Hotel. He's been there with the summit. He's been there through all the education. He's helped with everything, right? And um, it's been just an incredible journey. And having my right-hand man, having someone that's always there to kind of like brainstorm ideas with and um, there's someone that has energy, like the the yes kind of attitude and, the, and that energy that's like willing to take on new projects and willing to pivot and change and maneuver and do all those type of things. Because if you don't know, and Morgan said this to me so many times over the years, it's like, I don't actually know, Jai, what my job title is. I don't actually know what I do. I don't know what I can tell people. Like, am I a videographer? Am I a marketer? Am I a project planner? Like, Am I a photographer? Like, I, d- I don't actually know, right? And the thing is, like, I think with business in 2021, moving forward, like, you have to be more nimble. And I don't even know what I do. So there's a thing. So I think the more that we can adapt and change and pivot, I think it's so important. And so the other day I learned this word it was entrepreneurs. And it's people that work inside a business that are that are basically entrepreneurs and they're trying to build something off the idea of someone else. And I think Morgan's a classic example of an entrepreneur that's in there and he brings his, his own ideas, his own energy. He helps me with a lot of things, with making good decisions and stopping me from making bad decisions. So I think that's really important. And I've got to say, like, I wouldn't have anywhere near as much success as I got now without having someone like him in my corner all the time, just giving me that support or help me with whatever it is or listening to my crazy ideas and not shutting them all down, which is cool. And yeah. So today's episode, we talk about building a business from zero to six figures in six weeks. And that's the Wedding Photography Summit. We go behind the scenes with marketing, with the structure of it, with the stories of starting it, how it all started, all that kind of stuff. So interesting. I think you're going to really understand the summit a lot more and sort of like the behind the scenes and I guess like what we're against to sort of create this thing. And yeah, I kind of love just sharing this kind of stuff. Now, to get on to the next summit, which is happening on the 22nd um, and 23rd of November PST time 2021, it's happening at weddingphotographysummit.com. You need to get over there, join that wait list. It's going on pre-sale very shortly. And so if you're not on that wait list, you're going to miss out on front row seats. You're going to miss out on some of the bonuses. Trust me, you're going to want to see what I'm doing. You're going to want to see like what we're actually sending out, what's included in the ticket. And um, I think you're going to be quietly surprised and you're going to be very thankful that you got onto that wait list before everybody else. So you got things that everyone else didn't get. Now, Again, if you want to join that waitlist, get over to weddingphotographysummit.com, okay? And make sure you put your details in there if you're not already on my email list. But don't worry, I won't spam you. I'm always sending out all the good information, lots of tips and tricks, lots of good things for you to know about, to stay in the loop about new workshops, new conferences, new podcast episodes, like all that kind of stuff. Now, without further ado, let's get into this episode and let's talk to Morgan. Yeah, so Morgan, just taking us back when we first did the Wedding Photography Summit in 2020, 
And then I rang you up and I had this idea. Let's sort of go over when, like when all that happened. Like, do you remember when I kind of pitched the idea to you and what kind of went through your head? Well, we were in lockdown and I'd actually moved back home and you gave me a random call with some wild idea and you were like, yeah, you just gave me a bell. Because I remember I was staying at the back of Lydia's nan's joint because we escaped the city to get out of COVID, yeah. And yeah, you just called me and was like, got this mad idea. I've been seeing, I've seen a few other summits around the joint and I reckon that we can bring one to the wedding space. And I remember like saying the idea to you was like, it kind of evolved from, I knew that everyone loved the workshops when we did Free the Bird workshop. And so everyone would talk about the workshops all the time. And then the next evolution of that was like, let's get on the podcast then. Because if everybody, if we're like teaching everybody, um, the more people we teach, the better. So we'll get on the podcast and start teaching everyone. And then we were doing those webinars and it was just such a hard grind because it was like, we're showing up all the time doing that. And then my idea was like, wait a second. If people that do my webinars love that, all I need to do is teach everyone on the planet and then like all at once. And then that way, like we're sort of batch editing everything. So when I contacted you, I was like, man, this is going to be a wild idea, especially because we're in lockdown. But what if we run it and we had like, I think I said like 10,000 people at this workshop and we get the best speakers ever. And we just organize all this. And it was probably um, the time frame was like maybe eight weeks to six weeks. And then we were just like, what do you reckon? That's the next step for us. Yeah, I remember that combo because... We went together, like Warner was three hours away where I was staying at that time and we hadn't been working together for like a month or two and we would have a phone call. Oh, you were on holidays, I reckon. Yeah, because I was on like government pay because we didn't have any work happening. Yeah. So you'd call me like once a week and I'd just stand out the front because we're in a tiny little one-bedroom unit and we would just brainstorm stuff for like an hour or two once a week. And the summit came from one of them little brainstorms, I reckon. Awesome. Mm. And then it was like, all right, let's make this happen. Like, how can we yeah, do that? Yeah, how can we actually do it? Especially now that we're like, we're in lockdown. So then then what happened? Then I like was able to come back up to Melbourne. I think we must have came out a bit of lockdown or something. Mm. Yeah, there was a period there where we sort of came out for a little bit. And then we kind of got together and we we're like, all right, let's make this happen. And I remember... Like getting into a room with you and just thinking like, we literally had no idea on step one. It was like, what do we do? But we gave ourselves the dates. So we're like, this is the date we'll do it. It was like the 21st and 22nd of November or something like that. These are the goals. These are the goals. We want 10,000 people. So we knew that. And then it was like, step one, what do we do? And I remember standing there with you thinking like, well, we need software. We need to run some ads. Like we need to do something which at that stage I've never run ads on that scale before or done any of those things. But I remember the first thing we talked about was like, let's get the speakers first because if we get big speakers then other people want to come. And so I remember you you were saying like, we should write out like a real nice email and stuff. And I was like, nah, man, we don't have time for that. DM them. Yeah, I was like, let's just send them a voice message right now or like a video message. Yeah, yeah, true. It was just like, you were just doing that the second, video message. Yeah. And then I remember I grabbed my phone and then straight away, I just started, you know, talking to Jonas and talking to, introducing myself like, and by the end of the day, I think I talked to everyone just going like, I got this crazy idea. What do you think? Mm, that was pretty gnarly actually, because like, I remember we were talking about Jose Villa because this was... 2020, wasn't it? The yeah. first one. And we had Jordan there as well. And we we're like, oh, I forgot Jose Villa. That would be like absolutely mad. 
And then you sent him a DM. He said something like, maybe, you know, maybe next year. But he didn't completely shut it down because mm. I like sort of thought that might just completely get shut down. But he's like, maybe next year. Yeah, he was like, thanks for the invite and stuff. It's the last minute. And like, think maybe like think it'd be next time, he said. And that was cool. And then the next year we got him. Yeah, I was straight back. All right. <laughs> <laughs> There's been other people too. Like we try to get Narav Patel. Uh, he actually shot my wedding and we tried to get him at the first summit. I tried and really hard. <laughs> yeah, and then I've tried again on the next summit. How and many then times the next do you reckon one. you've DM'd him, asked him to do something for you? My DM <laughs> with him is like backwards and forwards of me asking him in a different angle, in a different way, trying to make it happen and him rejecting me in different ways. And it's all because like it's just not the right fit for him or whatever. It's nothing to do with the summit. It's funny the amount, like because we want him so bad because he would be amazing. Yeah. But just the amount of times you've asked. I think it's because he's never, act, like has he actually shut it down? Is that why the conversation has never ended? No, it's definitely been shut down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like every time. But it's, um, like I've said to you before, like there's no and there's a no. And one, one no is like when someone really shuts it down and the another no is like, yeah, they just need some persuasion. And I've kind of just seen it as like, yeah, I just need to warm him up. Like he said no now, but maybe he's thought about it. And I think, um, I don't know, I'm not one to take any kind of rejection because... I'm usually pretty good at getting what I want with persistence. <laughs> so basically, you're going to ask him to come to the next one? I've already asked him, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like going back, man, um, here was a couple of things, right? Just reversing back three months prior to the summit. We just launched the business map. We just kind of dug ourselves out of a hole. Like we were going nowhere quick and then we got out of that. And then we were like, okay, so to grow from here, let's go all in on this workshop. And we gave ourselves a budget. And when we like work out businesses, because this is a full new business, it's kind of like on a napkin, you write it down like, all right, we're probably going to need about $100,000 for ads and for like, you know, this and that and kind of working out a few stats. Nothing was actually known. Like we didn't know if people could buy tickets or how much money would make or not make or lose. Or like we just had no idea. But it was like, just bring lots of value to a lot of people on steroids and then people will love it. And I think that's what people needed in 2020. It was like that extra motivation and that extra kick. And I was like, if we can just do that, man, even if we wasted $100,000, it doesn't matter because we're bringing so much value to people. And I think it was needed at that exact moment. Mm. Yeah, so true. But yeah, it was funny sort of like brainstorming it. And then I guess um, we really had six weeks to try and piece the whole thing together. Yeah, that was mad. I remember... You telling me to try and figure out the back end and me, like uh, all the systems and websites and stuff we're going to use. We jumped on the wrong thing yeah. to start off with, didn't we? Not going to call them out, but yeah. On YouTube, like just getting bad information. Yeah. Well, there was, there was actually lots of information on it because lots of people are doing it. But I feel like all the summits that everyone's doing. Horrible. <laughs> they're just so small. It's like, mm. yeah. They don't have heaps of people going. So the other summons that we were seeing, I reckon they were getting like, you know, a thousand people or something. And straight Max. away, we'd never ran one. And your goal was 10,000 straight up. Yeah. I even listened to a, like a summit podcast. It was pretty hilarious. And they were talking some stats and some stuff. And I was like, man, this is so small time compared to what we're trying to think. And the way that they're running it was so different. Like yeah. no one was charging anything. Yeah. Straight up. It's always we free. Said, let's make it $7. Well, at the start, we probably were thinking free actually. Mm -hmm. And we were thinking affiliates and affiliates is what was going to bring in all the people. 
way more complicated. We, then, we uh, brainstormed the most complicated way you could possibly yeah. think of. And then I remember you called me because we were looking through, doing it through that other software and you called me and you're like, hey, how about we just do it the way that we've already done our business map and all that? And it was like, duh, easy. It's funny how like, I think for some reason this happens a lot. Like we start somewhere, then we overcomplicate it for ourselves. We spend a lot of time on it. Then we always cut all that crap out and go back to what we know. Yeah. And I feel like we do that cycle for everything. Yeah, it's so true. It's like, <laughs> mm, it's so true. It's interesting with the summit. So the summit was interesting because we had to, um, so one of the first things I invested in, which not many people know, was a coach for ads an actual business coach. I was like, man, this is the perfect time for me to get this business coach. It's really expensive. I think I paid like, I don't know, like 20 grand or something. And I was so like nervous about that. And I was like, I need him because we've never done ads before on this scale. And if I'm spending a hundred grand, then 20 grand is nothing if I can get an extra bit of a return. So this was pre-summer? It was before the summer. Yeah. And so I was like doing coaching with him to understand the ads. And I only had a couple of weeks because we had to turn on ads that are the hardest ads you can run because it's for an event. So it's only open, like there's no data. You have to get it right the first time because there's no repeat and you have no time to get much data at all. So it's, um, and because it's such a volume, like if mm. you're spending, at, at the end, we're spending about $5,000 a day or something. And if you're spending that much without data and without actually knowing what you're doing, I was like, fuck, this is actually pretty scary. Like a scary thing. Like <laughs> life savings are literally just getting sucked out the back door. So I got him and he helped me with just thinking of, um, I guess, just like a way to run the ads. And he gave us a few tips and a few things. And um, that money definitely paid for itself, which was good. And I think just even just giving me the confidence was the main thing. Because like, I didn't want to turn on those ads and go, fuck, not that I'm losing the money, but like, what could I have done? Then that's what I was worried about. What made you think that it was worth throwing all that money into it? The summit or the coach? The summer. Like seeing the 70,000 left over in the bank account or whatever it was. Man, this is an awesome question. I think <laughs> um, I was thinking about this this morning. Like the things that we've done in, in our business has always been because we've been able to do what other people would never do. And like, so I always think about that. Other people were doing workshops, other people were doing courses. And I was like, you know what they've never done and they wouldn't do? Spend a hundred grand on putting together the biggest conference in the world and streaming it, no one will do that. And so for me, that's kind of like how I judge if something's a good idea or a bad idea. I'm like, I know people would do it, but people, yeah, they just wouldn't risk themselves like that. I remember when we were in the planning stage, I was thinking like, oh, you know, this is such a good idea. Like hopefully, you know, this is going to blow up. So many people are going to come. And then I was like, oh, but everyone else is going to do this. Like everyone's going to realize how amazing this is. And you said something like, man, they won't because like, look how much work we're doing right now. Look how much mm. we're stretching ourselves. You're like, people won't do it because it's a lot of work and they'll start and then yeah. they'll realize this is hard. Yeah, no, yeah, man. The thing is like, as soon as, like you can always outwork people. And like, I've realized that from the very beginning, since I was an apprentice, since before I was even an apprentice, even applying for a job, I knew if I outworked everyone else applying for the job, I would get the job, right? And so it's even the same as now. It's like, man, we can outwork all the competition because people want to do bare minimum. That's why they get sucked into the get rich quick schemes. And that's why people always like get stuck on doing the wrong thing of marketing because they're trying to replicate what someone else has done or trying to take out the easy way. 
But if you can outwork people and you can take on more risk that other people definitely won't, then you're in new territory. And I think that's like really important. And you know, the bigger the risk, the bigger you can fail, but then the bigger the reward as well. So we grew that business from $0 to six figures in six weeks. So, you know, people spend fucking years trying to build a (laughs) six-figure business. I remember you asking me about (laughs) that six weeks. Like I remember you asking how long we need for it. Yeah. And I definitely didn't say six weeks. (laughs) 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 I reckon I said six months. Well, actually, remember I listened to a podcast and it told me that it's like you need at least... Yeah, true. What was it, like six months or something Mm. lead up because of the marketing, because of all the work in it? And I was like, yeah, we can do it in six weeks, man. Because like I said before, it's like most people will do it in six months. That means we can do it in six weeks. And that's literally the logic behind it. It wasn't anything strategic or anything. It was just like... It's kind of like when Google Maps says it's going to take you 20 minutes to walk in. It's like, I know I can do it in seven. <laughs> what, makes you, what makes you have the confidence to think, let's do it in six and not six months? <laughs> Is it because you know that you're just going to outwork people? Yeah. Like I, I, I know that I can sleep less than everyone. I know I can get more resourceful. I know I can get more help than anyone. Do you think people are just walking around like being busy and not actually doing anything? I think most people. I would say 95% <laughs> of people are busy, man. Everyone that says they're busy to me. Like I look at him and I'm like, I oh, know you're not busy. <laughs> I gotta stop like, saying I'm busy here at work. <laughs> I'm not doing anything. <laughs> if you were doing something, you wouldn't be standing in front of me right now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> you'd be out doing something. I'd be seeing you from afar, going, "Oh my god, that dude does everything." Look at him. Like, fuck. <laughs> How yeah, they even that's do true. It? <laughs> but someone standing in front of you going, "I'm busy." <laughs> <laughs> that's stop telling me. What else was crazy about it, man? Okay, let's I'm go. trying to think of the mad deadlines we had. Okay, deadlines. Let's let's talk about that because when people think six weeks, they're like, oh yeah, that's that's pretty achievable. So let's talk about six weeks. In six weeks, we had to build, I mean, on day one, okay, things that we did on day one, contacted all the speakers. We had to buy a new domain name. We had to create a new website. We had to create, so that was all on day one. And then day two, day three, day four was, we had to create branding, branding assets. We had to create the actual website the landing page. We had to have terms and conditions. We had to have contracts for speakers. Uh, we had to have onboarding for speakers. We had to have sales final. We had to have checkouts. We have to have uh, we had to have the program where we could host it. We had to have the hardware sorted out, which was like you know that was your role working out all the hardware and stuff. We had to have all the software to make it work. We had to have twice as hard because you do everything twice as well. You do the wrong one and then you figure out the right one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you have to learn. Like you, you told me, like you have to learn how to stream things online to possibly ten thousand people. Yeah, when I've done none of that before. You stream to zero thousand people. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's um, it's not something you could find. Like I remember you even like not complaining, but you did put something forward of like this is taking a bit long. There is. No resources on the internet for this. No one's done this. And if they have, they've never shared it because it's just, there's no one, right? And so then like for us to even work out what cable do we need to use? What's this little stream key? What's, how do we do a chat? How do we embed this? Like whatever it is, tiny little things. It's like, what do we use? We don't know. So we had to actually test all that stuff, do it all ourselves and work it all out. And it's freaking hard, man. Yeah. Because you and I are both not geniuses when we come to software and hardware like we're just making stuff up you know we're not trained on any of this stuff (laughs) yeah it's like even Siraj asked me about cameras here I'm like I don't know 
<laughs> well, th- what anything's cold, I just know how to turn it on and use it. <laughs> yeah. I know that cord goes to that cord, and something lights and this up. Makes and then, it look, boom. This makes it look real good. <laughs> I know how to turn it on to ten thousand people, and they're like, they're <laughs> making the dream work. Yeah, so true. I remember like that first summer in particular, mm. like just about to go live, and all the streaming, like everything we'd learned over that like, past six weeks, and all the streaming was on my shoulders. And clicking like go live, I was like, fuck. You look pretty nervous. <laughs> I was like, please. But how please crazy work. was it? It was all the like, okay, just to put the weight on your shoulders, right? So we just we invested a hundred thousand dollars. We had eight thousand one hundred and fifty-nine people that just bought a ticket that we have to deliver to now. We have all the speakers that are like have expectations of what this is gonna be, even though we didn't even know what it was gonna be. We had all this stuff. And then it all just plugged into a little ADSL, you know, internet socket in the wall at some venue. And we didn't even know if it was going to be running fast enough. And then everything, like I just think about it, like everything we just did was all just plugged into this tiny little thing. And, and it's like, man, hopefully the internet doesn't cut out because otherwise we're screwed. And that was it. Plus it's four in the morning because we're streaming to America and stuff. Okay, so that was another thing. <laughs> so, and a lot of people don't realize this, but it was... um. We did it in American time. So it was like PST at the time. And that meant all our speakers were in America, which meant if I wanted to talk to them leading up to the summit, which there was a lot of backwards and forwards and like getting on Zoom calls and stuff. So I'd be scheduling Zoom calls for like three in the morning and two in the morning just to make it work for the speakers. So I was getting up all the time, trying to hustle them, trying to um, get them on board, help them with their presentations, like whatever it is. And then just running the thing, having like all of our staff there, having everyone there at four o'clock in the morning. That means you have to wake <laughs> up at two o'clock in the morning and then you have to have a shower and everything, drive out there and then you've got to be prepared. And then I had to like, you know, present for 10 hours, you're streaming for 10 hours like per day. And I think, um, and we had no idea what to do. Like I, yeah. I realized on the first day we were way understaffed and I had to bring more people in the second day just because like there was, if you imagine 8,000 people, there was like, hundreds if not thousands of DM messages on social media and all over, you know, our emails. And it was just, it was a mega structure. Realized we were severely understaffed. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't you like, because Andy was there shooting some video for us. Yeah. You hit up his partner to come in and send DMs off your Instagram. Well, we didn't think of, (laughs) because we were so busy doing everything and we got no project manager or no help, we didn't even think about getting food. Mm. And so Andy's like, oh, we should get some food. So he contacted his partner, Jesse, and then Jesse came in and then she was like, oh, you need a haircut. And we've been in lockdown, so I didn't have a haircut. So she just before we went live, she's in there like chopping my hair and then she brought some food. And then I was like, tomorrow, can you come and work for us? Because I literally need you. <laughs> like we need more people. So I was like trying to get anyone in just to make the dream work. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't that? Yeah, I remember Jordan talking about food. He's like, you guys don't eat, man. Like I got to bring my own lunch because <laughs> you guys aren't prepared. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. There was a couple of other things that we wanted to accomplish in this workshop. I think I remember telling you how like, um, and we went backwards and forwards on this as well. It was like, I really wanted to pay all the speakers. We went backwards and forwards because we were like, well, no one else does and we don't really need to. And people would talk at this because they're getting a massive audience and, you know, there's massive benefits for all the speakers and stuff. And um, I was like, no, I was adamant. It's like, no, man, we need to be the workshop that actually pays everyone. Because I was sort of like a little bit jaded by like how you know, no one's really paid me through a lot of different workshops. And um, people always contact us like, can you 
talk for free for or whatever. Exposure. Work for exposure. Yeah. And um, I just was like really against that. So one of the things was like, let's make sure we put a budget to the side and make it, even though we're selling tickets for $7, let's make sure we pay everyone and we will work out how to make that extra money. But we budgeted in. So when we said 100000 on on everything, it was also like including like making sure we pay all the speakers as well. So going into it, that was factored in that we were going to have money set aside, even though we didn't have the money, but we knew we were going to make it somehow pay those speakers. And um, I guess like after the summit, there has been a lot of people that have copied us and there's been a lot of summits that have popped up and stuff. But the thing they haven't copied is they don't pay any of the speakers. So I've actually talked to the couple because they've been like, like a connection or whatever it is. But yeah, they don't pay the speakers. And I think it's so weird that like, you can change some things, but then people will run with the idea, but they don't run with the idea of how much I was driving home. So you need to pay the speakers because they're the ones that you're selling their education, their time and, you know, their expertise and stuff and why people are going there. And so, yeah. Yeah, that was a little game changer for us. Mm. I actually remember when we were brainstorming about paying the speakers and like setting the price $7 for summit. I was like worried that they would think we're just trying to make money. Mm. So we were like, you know, figuring out what the price had to be and like how we can deliver it to all the speakers that like, we're not here to make money. We're like, we're getting this $7 to cover the ticket. We're still paying you guys. Like, yeah, I just remember that feeling like, oh, I hope they don't think we're just trying to, you know, get them here mm. to then uh, make heaps of money off them. Yeah, there was a lot, so much backwards and forwards because it's one thing that's like, um, when you mix business with people and yeah, there's there's just so many little facets to it. So you got to make sure like how do people perceive us when they're buying a ticket? How do they feel like value-wise when they're like getting what they get? And then how do the speakers feel and if they feel valued? Yeah, totally, which is so important because they're keeping yeah. the whole thing afloat and they're the ones that are like making it as amazing as it can be. Exactly. So yeah, that was just like a little game changer, but it was like really straight down. I was like, there's no way we're going to run something like this. Imagine running something like this and not paying the speakers. Mm. And so I want to say like the ones that have tried to copy us, they've always failed. And I don't want to say it's because they don't pay the speakers, but it does put something out there that doesn't sit right with a lot of people. And people get pretty jaded pretty quick when someone's making a lot of money and then everyone else is not making any money, you know? So that was interesting. Well, when you can prove to them that we're not like trying to use them to make money. Yeah by paying them and showing them that it's only $7 a ticket and whatnot. And I think it's, also... It makes our job way easier locking people in. Mm, it's also like um, one thing that was really important is I was... We ran the summit so transparent that we gave all the figures to the speakers of how much we actually made, how it all worked, like basically everything, how much we actually spent on marketing, like yeah, all that Which kind of it stuff. wasn't actually about... It wasn't about making the money at all, was it? It was about covering no. the... 70,000 that we put in. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, um, how can you break even and then have, there there was like two things. Like one is like educators weren't doing anything because all the conferences closed down and stuff. So it's like educators could all of a sudden get audience, things could move again and they're getting paid for work. Then wedding photographers weren't shooting anything. They ran out of income. So it was like, they could actually learn. They didn't have to travel anywhere for a conference that all been shut down. And they had affordable um, education where they basically didn't really have to pay and then they could um, kickstart their career back, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? So it was like a big triangle win-win-win, I guess. And, and it was like for us, it's um, that's what the summit's about. It's just like the most important thing that everyone feels like they're just having a good time, you know? After having such a big year the first year and like we didn't hit our 10,000 
attendees goal. Mm. We hit eight. But um, like <clears throat> after, like we felt like we won even getting 8,000, didn't we? That was oh, like definitely. a huge, it was huge. success. Biggest we covered, ever. covered our losses and it was like, yes, like, you know, we didn't lose 70 grand. We're still seeing. <laughs> yeah, we're <laughs> you back. still got a job, Morgan. Yeah. <laughs> um, how's it feel to then go and do the next summit and only get 4,000? And why do you think that happened? Yeah, so the next one that we put on, if anyone doesn't know, like um, the goal was still 10,000 and then we hit 4,000. Spent the same amount on ads and everything. Spent, so we actually spent way more money on the second one. And why, there was why some, do you think that is? Yeah, there were some massive mistakes that we made. Why did we spend so much more on advertising there? A couple of different reasons. Like one is like Facebook ads have changed in the six months, which was um, interesting. Another thing is like people get used to seeing something and then they react less. So there was a few marketing things that didn't work the second time after it worked the first time. So for instance, one time, the first time it was like more of a shock factor of like a $7 ticket. And this is like an amazing thing. Then after our first one, a whole lot of people sort of flooded the market and did the same thing. So then when ours came out again, it wasn't as strong. So I think that was like played a little factor in it. So it wasn't just because you saw that we weren't getting as many sales and you were just pumping cash in the ads? No, I wasn't pumping cash in the ads, but it cost a lot more for the second one to acquire someone. Mm. So like for those that don't know, like it generally costs about 20 to $25 to get someone to buy a ticket for $7, you know, through ads. So when you think about that, it's, it's really expensive. And so the reason why it works out for me is because organic marketing. So that means like if you paid that much money and we got 2,000 people, but then we had 2,000 people from organic, which I didn't have to pay for, it means it kind of averages it down to like $7, if that makes sense. But it, yeah, it was like a huge, I guess it, it, for me, it felt like a big flop, the second one. In Still a lot amazing of ways. to bring all them people together, but yeah. No, it was amazing. It was literally amazing. Like the, the thing was incredible. And I think for me, it's like, if I'm not growing, I'm dying. And I felt like I was dying because it was like, things are not growing. And um, the second one was better in a lot of ways. It was run probably a little bit more professionally. There was a lot more, I think, like hard-hitting content. Like people realized that this thing is awesome. People that showed up, it was like really next level, like especially after they've been to the first one, second one. But another mistake that I made was um, I kind of got some advice from a few different people, like podcasts and things like that. And they were saying like, if you ever run these things, especially if you're charging a low amount, you should only have live only, not 24-hour replay. And so I was like, oh, everyone else. And I noticed everyone else just does live only. I was like, let's do live only. Because we set the expectations of 24-hour replay on the first one. People felt like they were getting ripped off now, paying $7 for live only. Even though to counteract that, we made the 12-month access from $97 to $47. So we halved that to sort of make it fair for everyone. Yeah, people didn't respond well to that and people were really upset. And even when they bought tickets, they were really annoyed. And um, it's funny you say that because like at the first summit, we looked at what everyone else was doing and was like, you know, let's redesign that whole thing. Mm. And we did redesign it. And then... on the second one, we kind of went back to other people's stuff. The second one, we went back and then we did... Yeah, we did worse. Yeah, and so I think... um, well, one thing was I, I like apologized to everyone and I actually gave them 24 hours access plus a little bit more. So that was really good. But one thing I realized is like, man, all these, you got to do stuff for the people, not for us, right? So 24 hours is easier for us. We don't have to do captions. We don't have to do, we're like we were doing Spanish captions and things like that. It was easier for us on the back end because we didn't have to quickly upload things. We didn't have to quickly write descriptions. Like there's a lot of hard work that goes into it. 
And I was like, oh, this is why everyone does it. It's just so much easier. But I realized like you can't take the easy route for yourself when it's at the expense of our clients, our customers and the people. So we had to go back to the people and go like, what do you guys actually want? You want 24 hours? We have to give you that. No matter, even if we have to stay up all night, making all those extra changes every night to make that happen, like we have to do it. And so we went back to that and then everybody was like really happy again, but it obviously stunted any kind of sales coming in. And yeah, it was just like a big learning curve, I guess. Mm. You're right though. I feel like the... Like obviously all the things we do, they get better with time. Yeah. And I feel like the like the processes and what we did with the second summit was better. Like mm. good content. Everything was a way easier workflow. We weren't understaffed on the day. You had someone on your DMs and things like that. We yeah. had lunch. We had lunch. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, yeah, everything we do just gets better and better. So like for the next summit. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I've got I've got heaps of hope for this next summer. I feel like it's going to be the biggest one that we've done. I, I think it definitely is going to be, in, in my like opinion. I think we learned so much from both and we realized our mistakes on the second one. And I think I've got to be honest with everybody. I was feeling entitled on the second one. Like I was like, yeah, everyone loved the first one. People were just going to buy tickets. And then we know and entitlement kills business, you know. And like, so why did I act like that? I think I was complacent. I thought people were just going to buy tickets. I thought like we gave a lot and didn't expect much in return. And I thought I had, I was entitled. And so I realized I lost my hustle in that sense. Like it's not where, it's not where I thrive, you know, like I don't thrive on that at all. And I, I actually hate that. So for me, it was like, um, going back into this next summit, we've really planned things out and we are going back to you know, kind of like to the first summit again, it's like short deadlines, planning things out properly, making sure that um, it's for our people. So one of the KPIs is like, how can you have the best community possible so people feel amazing? So it's like redoing the onboarding and, you know, it's different KPIs to what a lot of people usually do. So they always do like, how do you make money? We're just going like, how do we throw value at people? So it's going to be fucking incredible, I think. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. What are you excited about for the next one? that you think might be different or why it might be bigger? Mm. Oh, everything. I feel like all our ideas with our businesses, they just, I say our businesses because you're always saying, always including me in on the businesses. But um, I feel like everything we do just gets better. And our like the little dreams that we have, the little brainstorms we have over the phone, they just get bigger basically. Mm. So like now we're able to do more things. Like the ad campaigns we're thinking of that we were talking about the other night, like everything just gets better. I mm. went from like learning how to shoot on a Sony, you basically paying me to learn how to shoot some video to now, you know, we can buy a really good cinema camera and like- Just art directing can, and stuff. We could hire a cinema photographer if we wanted, like nothing's off limits anymore. Mm. So for me, like, yeah, it's amazing that I get to work on like a little bit of the production and stuff, but we're just getting so many more tools in the bag. It almost feels like um, before, and this is the truth, before we were in survival mode. Mm, it was totally. like, it was like but don't buy that camera. It's too expensive. Let's get yeah. this one. And then let's have the bare minimum of all tools. Which like just before, for example, you were updating the Adobe suite and you were like, I think I'm on the student account. <laughs> and I was like, I'm pretty sure I remember when I started, we were using my uni student account. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know. So it's like, you know, you do whatever it takes. That's and I hilarious. think... Um, Something shifted this year where we've gone from survive to thrive, mm. which means like thrive means 
in every sense of the word, it's thrive for everyone. Because, and people don't realize this, you get better clients, you end up having better products. Yeah. You're having better output. The more that you can charge, the better everything gets. The more that we can um, have tools at our disposal, the more we can create. And so it's like this snowball effects. Not only do we thrive, but our students thrive. Like mm. the people in our community thrive. The staff thrive. Like everyone thrives. And so it's really important to remember that like, I guess like the space that we're going into, that's really what it's all about. It's like, how can we create something now that's next level, that's making us curious and like excited and nervous as, as hell because we've never done something as big as we're about to do for this summit. You yeah, know? so true. Yeah, that's an awesome way to put it. Mm. Like the more, we just, we're pushing ourselves to that next limit, which means we're trying to produce something that's way better and given way more value and yeah, just way better in all senses of the word. Hey, can I quickly read you something? I was going to send you this on the weekend and this is really funny. So I read this blog post and it was about entrepreneurship versus managers. And so just, just to read this like top little paragraph here, it says, the role of the entrepreneur, simply put, is to create value for the customer. While this is easier said than done, it places value first and costs second. This is fundamental importance. Without value, any cost assumed by the business is not only unnecessary, but can only lead to failure. The guiding light for entrepreneur decision-making should thus be what benefits the customer. I thought that was really interesting. Then manager was like, as soon as value has been created and thus the business opportunity has been established, it is time to shift gears and put on the manager's hat. While somewhat simplified, the proper role for the entrepreneur is to identify and create the value of the business. And then the manager is to maximize the outcome, yes, profit and the opportunity of what the entrepreneur makes. That's super interesting. Yeah. And I was like, man, that's so interesting because like every decision that like I ever make is always, it's never the manager's role. Like I'm always like, even the next one, it's like, man, like I, I don't know when people are going to be listening to this. So I don't want to give away the secret that we're giving out to the next one. But it was like, I'm investing so much into this and logistics is going to be crazy. I haven't got out my calculator to see if it's going to work or not because it's not the metric. I'm like, but the value we're bringing people, Morgan, it's worth it. And <laughs> yeah, then you're yeah. always like, yeah, I think so as well. And so that's the metric. It's like, imagine people's faces when they see what's going on. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, that's so funny because it just makes you think of all the businesses we've worked on. They're always evolving and we're never talking about managing it. No. We're talking about improving it. Growing it and bringing more value. Yeah, and making something better and better. And that's why we've done, you know, so many businesses in the past. And I guess that's why at some point I'm going to have to hire a manager. <laughs> <laughs> so then we can actually make money and like things can actually work repeatedly the same all the time. Because right now, like, I guess I do get so caught up in innovating all the time. Like yeah, I want to over-innovate everything. Which is where all the fun is though. That's like, that's where we get the kick out of it, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, as soon as we finished the last summit, all we were talking about is the next summit. We weren't even talking about the one we just did. Yeah, we were like, imagine getting like Gary Vee, imagine getting like big speakers, mm. imagine doing this. And it was like straight into it. And then it was like, let's plan this thing, you know, it's going to be massive. And Yeah, but, as soon yeah. as it's finished, we're just thinking how to make it better, which is pretty interesting, isn't it? It's not only just like how to make it better. I was all like on both summits and every launch that I've ever done. I always like go into like, what didn't we do at the very best, mm. you know? And so I think that's like really important because even now, like people might interact with my products and they're like, that's not the best I've ever had. Like, I don't know what Jai's doing. The thing is, I don't hold myself back and try and perfect anything. I'm not, we're not trying to do the best. We're trying to be better every time. 
So when we like release something, maybe it's not the best, but next time it's going to be much better and yeah, then it's going to yeah. be much better and then it's going to be much better and we can outwork and outgrow everyone because we've made a start without trying to be perfect. I think that's like really, really important thing to remember. Makes me think about what you were talking about this morning with posting on Instagram, like having a, what do they call it? A schedule. schedule. Like you don't do any of that. As soon as you've got something in your head and there's a photo in front of you, bang. Yeah. Like even if you don't like a piece of content that me or Siraj make personally, you still like bang straight on the account. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's just creating, like it's creating. Getting better. It gets better and better. And I think it lets everyone like thrive as well, because even if I don't like it, it's like, it's a team effort. And I think someone's going to like it. But the thing is, I don't know what people like. So it's not up to me to stop things because it might land on someone. And if I didn't try, I will never know. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think so many people, they take other people's opinions or they um, make something up in their head without any data. And it's like, man, post it, create it, get rid of it, make it happen, get it in front of people, see what happens. If it didn't work, pivot, change, adapt, innovate. It's like not figuring it out and taking action, basically. Like Mm. post it and then you can realize why it didn't do so well or whatever, but at least it's out there and now I can think about the next one. You also get surprised as well of like how you thought something wasn't going to work and then you're like, fuck, it's actually, Mm. that's amazing. I didn't think that was going to happen from that content. We're so mean to ourselves and such a harsh critic Mm -hmm. and like comparing and whatnot, especially on Instagram. But I remember it reminds me of like when I started shooting video and you were paying me to learn how to do it. Like the videos we were shooting, we were liking. We were like, oh, whoa, that looks sick. Well, we're like, you've done well. And then now we look back and we go, whoa, that's horrible. Mm. <laughs> so it's so interesting. Like, um, I don't know, just perception well, yeah. changing and like learning from it. It's the creative process, isn't it? And I think because we are creative entrepreneurs, not just entrepreneurs. So it's like, we got to realize like, man, every, all the work that we create, even today, like it, sometimes I look at all of our work and I'm like, this is not the best I've ever seen. Mm. And I know that. And I'm like, post it. And then I know that in a year's time, we're going to look back and go, oh, geez, that was garbage. And it's like important to get past <laughs> and make sure we post the garbage because it's like a learning curve every time, like a little bit better. Just learn a new trick, learn a new shortcut, learn new, like whatever it is. Sounds like we're on a treadmill, doesn't it? It is. I think, <laughs> yeah, I think it is. And I think not enough people um, get up off the couch to get on the treadmill. That's mm. the problem. <laughs> you know, like you, you can get so lazy with content, with your business, with innovation, with trying to copy people. Like so many people are trying to find the shortcut, you know, instead of exercising, they'll take a diet pill. And mm. so it's like, you know that all we have to do is go and exercise. You're going to feel better and you're going to create more and stuff. So weird analogy that we just did a spin on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think the last two summits have been pretty wild. And I think I've learned a lot and so much fun. Like, I don't know how much more fun you can have than running the summit. Straight after we did mm. it, I was like, poof, like what an event. Like what a Crazy, thing that hey? we've just, especially the first one being only six weeks, like me and mm. you just looking at each other and going like, man, that was fun. And like how wild. Was like, we, like, we didn't hit our goal, but we felt like we did. And mm. it was like a mad celebration. I think we probably both get too caught up in the work that we don't really celebrate that much. But I think like even just going back to all the DMs, how much, you know, an event like that helped people, changed people's lives, connected them with other people, you know, um, they learned something new, they got inspired, like whatever it is, there's always like something and like you forget the impact that something like this has on that many people. 
and a whole industry as well. Like it has an impact on a whole industry and you're so caught up in, like you're saying, making a video, posting something, you forget that like what we're doing can be bigger than what, than us, I guess. Mm. Is bigger. Is bigger. <laughs> yeah. No, that was amazing. Loved it. Yeah. And I think um, next summit is going to be epic. One thing that Morgan and I have that we didn't have before is we've got more team members. Um, and I feel like it feels more supportive having more people. Like it feels like there's more people in our corner to make the dream work opposed to before where it was like, man, if I'm not doing something, nothing's happening. Yeah, definitely. And so that was really hard. And it's taken me a while to sort of let go. Like even getting um, Mel to write the emails at the moment, like sort of scheduling things and stuff. I'm like, man, I don't know if I want to let go of that. And But the more I let go of things, I'm like, the better everything goes, you know? And so I guess there's just so much growth in business all the time and we're learning new things and innovating new things, I guess. Yeah, it's going to be a different summit. It's going to be awesome, I reckon. Yeah. And we bought a whole studio and we're going to be able to broadcast it here. And one of the reasons being is because we can control the internet here and we can control our surroundings and we can control the light and the noise and everything like that. And um, like for those that didn't know, like we are pretty out of control before, just sort of in the back of someone's Hiring warehouse thing. And I guess... We charged $7 for this thing, but we acted like people paid $1,000 a ticket. So we weren't just going to do like a crappy Zoom call and like, you know, like what you see everyone do out there. We're like, man, we're not doing that. Like, no, I don't care if people pay us nothing. We're going to make sure it's $1,000 worth of value. Mm. And so like each time, like we spend money on like set design and, you know, like making sure the lighting's awesome and everything's awesome because it's like, why not work to our potential, not to the paycheck? You know, we know we can do better. And if we know we can, then we must. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so many people behind the scenes of that summit, from like lighting, the the whole hangings joint, yeah, the set design. And then this time, man, like just um, support team. Like that's a whole team we're going to have to have. Mm. Just support. Like someone on Zoom talking to people, someone on Drift talking to people, someone on email, someone on my Instagram. Like to think about that is just, there's a lot. There's a lot to do. At least we've got more than six weeks this time. Yeah. <laughs> You got any last thoughts or anything you want to share about the summit? About, I guess, like the last, you know, like here's the crazy thing, man. The summit is a massive event, massive business, and people know it and like it. It hasn't even been around for 10 months yet. Yeah, it's not even a year old. Yeah. So when I said like six figures to six, like what was the six figures in six weeks? Like that business grew from zero to six figures to pulling in six figures to doing the whole thing, paying people like all that within six weeks. And it hasn't even been a year yet. And the thing is growing. We've had some of the biggest speakers in the world. We've definitely had the biggest wedding photographers in the world, like talking at it. It's been shared by thousands and thousands of people. The stats are crazy on everything. So I think 10 months in business for that business is fucking crazy. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely is. No, it's a a wild ride to be on. Like um, all the stuff that we work on, this is definitely one of the ones that I really like. And (laughs) <laughs> yeah loving it so happy to be a part of it sweet hey and if you guys want to get tickets to the next wedding photography summit head over to weddingphotographysummit.com you can put it in your I don't know if you can buy a ticket I don't know when this is coming out but otherwise you can join the wait list Morgan's laughing at me jo- join that wait list because we've actually got some pretty cool stuff coming out in pre-sale uh, we got front row seats plus we have something else and I know it's going to sell out and so if you don't get onto the pre-sale, onto my mailing list, then you're not 
having the best chance to make sure that you snap it up before it's gone, before it comes out to everybody else. So head over to weddingphotographysummits.com. And if you want to find Morgan, he's got Instagrams, Morgan Vandermark. You can find him or find him tagged in my feed. And you can reach out to me at jialong.co. If you like this podcast interview, make sure you subscribe. Hit that subscribe button and I'll see you next week.